And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. I love the forensic files, they're awesome. Don't you get caught jaywalking or Jimmy walking. Okay, I'll admit right now that was the highlight of wrestling this week. The highlight of this podcast is that you just called it the forensic files, when in fact it's the fashion files, isn't it? Oh! Yeah, no, forensic files wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> So uh, that's the highlight of this show. You guys can all turn it off now. We're 40 seconds in. We've peaked. And uh, He is Doc Manson at <laughs> Doc Manson. I am DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI. And until we meet again, my friends, thank you for joining us here on the Forensic Files. Oh, you're right. Good, I don't man. know why I started calling it. That, that must be an actual show. Not that I would yeah. have watched it, but and it's not even like it's like. That's the, obviously the law and order thing, so I don't know why I don't know why I got forensic files, but you, you're good, you. Well, how you doing there, Doc Lesnar? At Doc Lesnar, how's how's life treating you? Now I'll have you know, I'm not at Doc Lesnar. I'm simply Doc Lesnar at Doc Manson. So yes, but the writing is on the wall. You're going to change the name eventually. Nah. If I change the name, you mean change the name back to Doc Manson, then you're correct. No, I mean, I thought you were just, we were going to just start calling you Doc Lesnar and... Hey, I think, you know, the cross-promotional value from uh, coming out of doing the NAI pod last week and actually, you know, sort of capitalizing on that humorous, uh, you know, mispronunciation or mix-up with my name, I suppose, by one Jason A. Molotov. I, I don't know if his middle initial actually is A. It just sounded all right. Um, you know, I thought that there was some value in that for at least a little while. But let's I, be honest. I got to go back to the DM, right? I got I got to. I got to. It's, it's in my blood. We are DM squared. That's right. That's right. I like to point out that I was DM before you were DM. I understand. I think I I disappeared, and you said, man, that DM was really on to something. I got to DM myself up somehow, and then you totally copied my DM. So you're saying I was sliding all up in your DMs? Maybe. I'm not not sure I like the connotation of whatever that is, but yeah, I think so. Yes. All right. How dare you? I'm, slide I, up what, in there. I, I apologize for that. And I don't apologize, however, uh, for payback. We have not spoken since payback. Oh, you should long- apologize because that show was terrible. That is not even remotely true. Okay. It's not even remotely true. It's, it's remotely true in that I'll grant you it was not terrible, but. It did sort of feel like, man, did nothing happen. And I feel doubly like that after SmackDown this week. The only thing I can say that I really feel like came out of that show would be Alexa Bliss winning the women's title. Well, let's see. You began with Chris Jericho shocking the world and winning the... 
United States title, which from the shock value alone, I think was a worthwhile thing. We all knew Kevin Owens was going to win. I did not actually <laughs> write down our predictions and productions from this one. Good. But, but, but we were... No, we seriously, were... though. Um, that's one of the things I'm talking about. Though, like, yeah, okay, that was maybe a nice surprise. They swerved us. Every buddy assumed Kevin Owens was going to win. But after SmackDown this week, come on. It made like spinning wheels, man. They could have just done that on Sunday. They could have had Kevin Owens beat up Chris Jericho so much that he's off to go do his Fozzie thing and he's not going to be around. Yes, you're absolutely right. Except then people were zero. Um, Except then people online would have been like, oh, man, predictable as always. Kevin Owens wins. Yeah, okay. Nothing fun about that. I prefer things to be predictable over drawing out an inevitable – it's not even like like you're entering into some new storytelling. It's not like you did anything clever. You just delayed it by two days. That's all you did. Plus, let's look at the long game. What could potentially come out of having Chris Jericho – a SmackDown. Now what you've done is not only did you surprise people on Sunday, you've moved a pawn on your board to a different position. DC, this is wrestling. He could have simply disappeared for Fozzie for six months, and when he came back, he could have been on SmackDown with no explanation, and it wouldn't have mattered. But I give them credit for having an explanation, because if we get at whether it's Survivor Series or WrestleMania next year, if we get Chris Jericho versus Shinsuke, or we get a Jericho-Corbin thing, or Jericho versus Jinder Mahal, then, you know, it's... I won't say it was totally worth it, but I had no problem with a great match that ended with a surprise. I had no problem with a great cruiserweight match that ended with Neville having to cheat to win. Okay, I will give you that their uh, cruiserweight title match was far superior to their pre-show match at WrestleMania. And while I would be okay with Neville moving on to other competition, I can also understand why it's not yet over. He had to cheat to win, so this is obviously going to continue. A new story ended. And if we move on to the tag team title match, I'm sorry, but Sheamus and Cesaro turned heel. Big storyline development. We need to get matching jackets. They I want going... those jackets. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I guess that's a nice... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to not be negative here. Obviously, I think some people sort of telegraphed that heel turn. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. They should telegraph that stuff. There should be some foreshadowing. You should be able to look back and say, you know, that is solid storytelling. I don't, I'm not saying I wanted to be, oh, surprised out of the blue... Um, so I, I'll give him credit there. You're right. That's some solid storytelling. There was some foreshadowing going on. It happened. It's And they're in a better place as well. A really solid match. I, I don't know, man. I just... I think I will, my problem with the tag division is my eyes are not on Sheamus and Cesaro anymore. They've They've sort of been there in and out of the spotlight for a long time now. At this point, I'm really looking towards wanting a development from the Hardys. Like, I I saw Matt get his head bashed in at the end of that match at the pay-per-view, and I was waiting for him to come out on Monday and, you know, be broken, I guess. And don't get me wrong, they can tease that for a while. They don't have to do it right away. They can take their time with that storyline, too. I just, again, I kind of feel like the stories aren't 
they're not directed to where my attention is, I guess. And that's maybe okay. my fault. Maybe that's my fault for not being invested no, it's, in what it's, they're focusing it's, in. But you, you are welcome to not be bought in as much as you wish you could be. And I'll freely admit, my love of that tag team title match had everything to do with the fact that Sheamus and Cesaro turned heel. I didn't need the Hardys to return. It was a lovely moment, but I didn't need them to return. I certainly did not need them to win the titles, and I don't need them to continue to be the champions. And the fact that they're doing this odd will-they-won't-they broken thing, to me, I'm like, if you're not going to be broken, why are you on my television? Doing the thing where you do the delete sign and then run out did nothing for me on Raw. Except to think that we need jackets. We need okay. those gray Army-Navy jackets, Matthews and Manson or Lesnar, embroidered, get the patches. Ah, oh, man, we would look so good. Style I'm with you. profile. Alexa Bliss did become the women's champion. That was great. Single-handedly saving the women's evolution. I'll say this, and again... I, I was having a conversation with someone online, and I, you know, when you play the long game, it makes sense. Alexa Bliss right now seems to be everything most people want Sasha Banks to be, except better. You think Alexa Bliss is better than Sasha Banks? I think right now everyone wanted Sasha to be the boss character who was kind of the the. Maybe she wouldn't have called herself the goddess, but the goddess of the women's division, and she's not. Right. Alexa is. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm with you. And again, if you play the long game, I would hope that this is all Sasha essentially almost be- fades into obscurity before needing oh, yeah. to turn Once heel. Oh, again. In, before needing to turn heel in order to, you know, it, to get back into the spotlight. So again, long term, this is fine, but I had no problem with that. And then, I've been very optimistic and positive. I will try my best to continue that. I would like to applaud WWE for trying something relatively new and different with the House of Horrors. Stop it. Just stop. I I would like to applaud them for the symbolism of the house going from blue to red, SmackDown to Raw. And I would like to applaud them Stop. for having the Singh brothers wear incredibly bold colored shirts. And that is all. I would like to applaud them for, in a single moment, making Randy Orton the most powerful Wrestle Magic character in existence. For finding the teleporter in the back of the refrigerator? Yeah. I mean, he magically appeared in that arena with zero explanation. Uh, We expect that from Bray Wyatt. We expect that from Kane, The Undertaker. This guy who's been around for, I don't know, 15 years, more, who has never had a spooky bone in his body, apparently not only, you know, in words, became Bray Wyatt's master when he burned down the house and destroyed the remains of Sister Abigail, he in fact has now become the most powerful Wrestle Spooky character of all time, and he's still just a dude in a pair of tights. No. Pants. He wore pants. Whatever. Whatever. Maybe that's the secret. 
for 15 years. I think I wore he probably, tights. you know, I think I talked to you about how he was very upset about having to ride the sperm snake down the ramp to WrestleMania. I think he rode yeah. that thing like a magic carpet through the air to get back to the arena. I think that's what happened. Now, I don't know if I'm right or wrong on this, but I'd have to go back and look. But I saw somebody post, is it true that he literally was scruffy in the house and then clean shaven in the arena? Somebody's, I, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. I uh, I went to let's bed. Look, let's look at right it. Let's before. look at it. Okay. And then I didn't. I, I next morning I watched the House of Horrors match. I stopped before they got back to the arena, and I did not watch the rest of the show. You still have not seen the rest of the show? No, no. Is there so anything I, there to I'm, watch? I'm sorry, I spoiled the uh, the fact that the Singh brothers made an appearance. My Please, apologies. I watched. I watched Raw. I watched SmackDown. Okay. I know what happened. I saw the replays. Um, what did you think of in the house? Because I didn't mind what happened in the house. I mean, it's fine, except it's dumb. Right? Because what you're saying is Bray Wyatt hired a production crew <laughs> to light up the exterior of this house, as well as the interior, to play special effects. There's clearly a production team there with video cameras taping them. And yet you've got these two guys beating the crap out of each other. One guy tries to murder the other by shoving a refrigerator on top of them. And instead of us acknowledging these other people that have to be there and them just being like running out and saying, Oh God, is Randy okay? Or something. Instead, they completely shatter whatever disbelief you might've been able to form and just sort of cut, Back to the announce team who's like, oh, God, Randy Orton's underneath a refrigerator, which they said 15 times before he magically appeared. I, I don't know, man. Like, there's a way to do that type of thing. That produ- If you really like. OK, that's what I was going to ask. You're not a, to the best of my knowledge, you are not a cinematographer. You do not, you have not made any movies that I am aware of. Oh, just ask Mrs. Manson about how wrong you are. No. However, <laughs> um, so let's say you do have a theatrical background. So and I am pay, the B movie geek. So, so this is sort of picture. my wheelhouse. I, I, so paint me a picture. I am now that you've seen it. I am interested in low-budget horror. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I just think that as this being ostensibly sort of a found footage style thing, you can't, just like in that genre, you can't ignore the person holding the camera. And if you're going to, there needs to be a conceit there. So, for instance, have the house set up with stationary cameras in each room, and you're, like, flipping between them or something as... People move from room to room. That would be fine. But again, just having somebody there, if you really start thinking about it, the entire thing breaks down and doesn't make one lick of sense. And it doesn't have to. I'm thinking too hard about it. I get it. It's not meant to necessarily be thought about that way, but it doesn't mean that they shouldn't have somebody there thinking about these things just to make it that much better. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I, I guess again, like I said, it doesn't really matter. Everybody crapped all over it anyway. So the one, the one thing I will say, and somebody I think on NAI Pod or somewhere brought up this point: the fact that the live audience, wherever they were, 
Oh, they were on the West Coast. They were in San Jose because it's not dark in San Jose at 6.30 at night, despite the fact that it was dark there. They had to watch TV. And I even remember when the Boiler Room Brawl happened, one of my favorite matches, they were still, they brought out these giant TVs because this was before the days of the Titan Tron. Um, so they brought out these giant TVs for fans in like the front rows to watch. You take the fans out of it by doing that. So I think in hindsight, had they figured out some way of making it in the arena, I don't know how you do it. Like, I don't know if you take the ropes down. Can you imagine Bray Wyatt getting to this house, this rundown shack? You know, clearly this is a foreclosure that his father, IRS, uh, pointed him to in the area, clearly. He, he shows up, he f- scopes the place out, he goes down to the local Goodwill or Salvation Army, he buys two or three dozen dolls and some twine or wire, and he goes back to the house and he spends his afternoon just taking the heads off these things, wrapping them up, Painting them with scary faces, hanging them from the ceiling of a... Like, Bray Wyatt, in kayfabe, spent an afternoon doing this. No. (laughs) Obviously, the House of Horrors would have been set up like that before. However, I would watch a WWE 24 documentary... (laughs) Or mockumentary... Of him doing that. I would Literally too. just sitting there, tying the twine around. I actually think that's a great idea. Way better Hang- than the actual House of Horrors match. Hanging it up and being like, oh, Randy, wait till you get a load of these. You're going to be so horrified. <laughs> you, see, you see him talking to, like, the light guy, and he's like, okay, when I come out and it's obvious that I've won, you need to have your finger on the red switch, and we're gonna go from blue to red. And then I'm gonna, then somebody's gonna have to quietly bribe the limo driver, cause I'm not gonna be the guy who hired the limo, but I'm gonna get in, and the limo driver's gonna leave without the person who paid him. Don't you think that the limo driver probably. How long do you think into that ride back to the arena did it take for the limo driver to say to Bray Wyatt, hey, uh, buddy, would you mind if I turned on the radio? He's got the whole world <laughs> in his. He, it's, it's just, it's just mind. What do you think the lighting cue was? What do, you, what do you think that Bray Wyatt told the light guy if he didn't emerge victorious? Like, if Randy Orton comes out of the house, I want you to cut to black and then play that hollow graphic of me from that Dean Ambrose match like yeah. to distract him so I can come out from the other angle like like what was what did, what was the other alternative to that how did that play out what did he tell him I don't know I think I think he in in a totally kayfabe way Bray Wyatt wouldn't assume he'd lose despite history well yeah arguing in a total kayfabe way uh there was no lighting team and he's got spooky magic that controls the hue of light <laughs> refracted off of the siding of rundown houses that he has no connection to, but found in an afternoon next to the arena. I mean, no, no, I'm sorry. You sold me on the IRS thing. Like, that's <laughs> it. 
He's got houses of horrors in every major city that WWE travels to because Irwin's hooked him up. It's got to be, right? <laughs> Irwin Harshyster's got your hookup. Holler if you hear him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm realizing that it would have made more sense had Randy been able to escape. Had Randy been able to escape, get into the limo and drive away, and then Bray takes the refrigerator teleporter, that would have made more sense. And okay, so then what had the heck happened on <laughs> Raw this week? Can we explain Raw? Because Bray Wyatt I know, appears. We I, I, remind me to go back and tell you what you did miss from Payback. I will, in a minute. Bray Wyatt appears in the ring with Kurt Angle, and he says that Randy Orton is now trapped forever <laughs> in his house of horrors. Despite the fact that we clearly saw Randy Orton teleport into the arena outside of the House of Horrors. Like, I, I don't even was, know what that it was meta- means. It was metaphorically, I think he was talking about SmackDown. I've now escaped Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan. I'm free, but Except Randy Orton... Wyatt had no problems with Daniel Bryan and Shane just McMahon. Go, well, he had problems with Daniel Bryan historically, I, just go with it, all right? Just go with it. It's it's it a metaphor, man. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. What it is is bad television. Uh, was Randy Orton of bad was Randy Orton on what? SmackDown? Because <sighs> Shane McMahon starts the show by taking the title off to Ginger Mahal. Yeah, but I don't remember Randy. It would have been uh, great if. Okay. It would have been great if, after defeating him, Bray Wyatt drags him out. You know, Jinder Mahal and the Singh brothers help drag him back out. They throw him back into the limo. Or the refrigerator, which is also magically transported. And they tell him to take him back to the House of Horrors. And then we get six weeks of, like... Leslie Nielsen style stuff where Randy has found a way out, but is like trying to hitchhike out of nowhere. And it's like almost like Matrixy where he's hitchhiking down one road and he, he walks off camera, but then he comes back on camera the other way because he can't escape the <laughs> cul-de-sac that the House sure. of Horrors is on. Oh, man. Yeah. We should be writing for WWE. Um, You should watch... The rest of Payback, because Rollins versus Samoa Joe was very good, uh, and Braun versus Roman, was, they did a nice job telling me a story about Roman Reigns that I was interested in. Because it was not Roman Reigns' conqueror, it was Roman Reigns, I've had my butt kicked, and I'm in a lot of pain. I mean, again, I don't know. Everything I saw on Raw showed me that despite the fact that Roman Reigns got his butt kicked, he still managed to come out on top in the end. Well, he did because Braun Strowman is like the juggernaut. No one can hurt him. He can only hurt himself. So his own momentum took him into the ambulance door. I was I was far more interested in that when I saw the footage being played, him limping, barely able to breathe, getting into the ambulance. I caught my attention. I was watching it. I was into it. And as soon as that happened, when Braun came rushing into frame and Roman sidestepped him and then Braun was the guy down and beat. And it just, again, I was just like, oh, yeah, of course, because 
Roman Reigns ultimately has to come out on top. I just I think that was more a I th- I understand. I do understand. I think it was more of a device to explain why Braun's not on TV for a while because they're off sightseeing in Rome together. Titus O'Neil might be the dumbest person in the world. And I say that respectfully. Titus O'Neil does not seem to understand how to be a WWE employee. Puts his hand on the boss, which was a bad thing. Then takes a picture and posts it publicly on social media that has Braun and Roman in the same group of people. And apparently didn't realize it would be looked down upon until hours later when he then takes it down. Like, what does he not understand about how WWE works? Was he not a wrestling fan before this? Is he, you know, I, I, I'm just confused. Any momentum the Titus brand had with Apollo Crews, I, I think is over now. He's going to be the next release, right? I don't know if he's going to be the next release, but he's certainly not going to, they're not going to, you know, go all in with him when he's just a doofus like that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so where do you want to go from there? Because Brock and Roman were not on TV. They were, regardless of where they were on the road to Rome or not, uh, they were not part of WWE programming. Which, uh, did you enjoy Raw? What sticks out in your mind? Um, well, I already talked about Bray Wyatt. Yeah. I already talked about what I had hoped for the Hardys that didn't happen. Yep. I've mentioned my love for Shizaro's jackets. Yeah. I mean, the whole 30 minutes at the beginning being given to the women's division, I think, was a good good, um, segment um, overall. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The Dean Ambrose. Seth Rollins says dude a lot. And he sounds incredibly inauthentic when he says it. I don't know if I'm wild about the Seth Rollins that talks to the fans like they're buds. Hey, dudes. Yeah. How's Sacramento doing tonight? I'm like, no. 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 I like Seth Rollins. I think he is a great potential babyface. No. However... Let me say this, because I've been critical of him time after time. Uh, I don't know what happened, but e- Dean Ambrose found that thing that made him entertaining. Because I enjoyed pretty much everything he did on Raw from his, you know, from pretending to call Kurt Angle to telling Finn Balor to eat a carb. It was all pretty funny. He did something <laughs> with what's his name? Mm. Throwing it back, throwing it back to Gorilla and Bobby and, you know, again, I don't know. He did some good stuff. He did not, he did not do much for me when he was on SmackDown. I don't know if it's just he needed guys to play off of or. I feel like this is a regression for him. I feel like he's back to being the goofy world champion that he was. And I think that's entertaining, but I don't think it'll take him very far. I wouldn't call it a regression because I I don't know what he did on SmackDown that was anything better than that. 
I'm not saying he did anything better, but he got away from being... He got away from being the goofy guy wearing a foam hat. You know what I mean? Like, Yes. I, 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 I do understand that, except that was the Dean Ambrose I liked. And then I considered it a step backwards when he went to being that guy who holds the title for a reason I can't quite explain. Well, I agree with that, but I, I think the best Dean Ambrose is Shield Dean Ambrose, the one who was crazy in a way that he was unpredictable and See, I very missed serious. Shield. I missed Shield Dean Ambrose. I missed he most was, of that. He was, you know, that quintessential sort of pit bull where he would come on you and he would take you apart. He would dismantle you limb by limb. He would pick I'm... a specific limb and break it down. And, mm-hmm. like, I, that's the Dean Ambrose who I think you need. Like, he can have some of this humor to him. He can have some of that. Like, I've always liked him coming out of trunks and out of, you mm-hmm. know. But even that wasn't funny. That was. Right. I'm literally going to lie in wait for you in the trunk of a car that's probably the not mine. The situation was maybe humorous, but he was not necessarily being Yeah, it took him a while to get the hot dog cart. At right. first, it was just, I will lie in wait for you, and I will hunt you down. And I liked that guy, too. And I, I do liked, like that guy, too. I liked the hot dog cart also, but I just think he spent so much time of his world heavyweight reign, you know, sort of or WWE Championship reign, I suppose, mm-hmm. as that goofy guy. And I don't really feel like that elevated him in the eyes of the company. So I That's just fair. I just kind of feel, again, I feel like it's a regression in terms of having him become a more important component of this show moving to the future. Well, with Brock Lesnar on the shelf, or not on the shelf, but on the farm, the IC title is currently the best thing going or the biggest thing going. No. So. Women's well, title. Maybe. Women's title's bigger. And I do want to make that point because, and, and we might as well go there now. I'm looking at these rosters and, you know, Dean Ambrose wasn't a part of Payback. Braun and Roman weren't a part of Raw. You know, Randy Orton, I'm not sure if he did much on Raw. Brown Corbin's been suspended what I like about what's happening here, the fact that these talents do not have to appear on TV every week, it feels to me like WWE has confidence in its divisions, including the tag team division, where that they're willing to put the focus on either the men or the women and not necessarily have to rely on the same six or seven guys. Because I'm looking at the rosters, you know, you've got two women's divisions that are at least six deep. If you count Carmella and Tamina and all of that, and you could add at least six deep. I don't know what that means. So can you explain it to me, please? What joke and what uncomfortable reference am I missing here? Six. (laughs) Deep. Just throw a unit in there. You'll get it. Six miles. And then... Yeah! You've got a tag team division. Well, yeah, you know, Golden Truth's not going to be top contenders, and maybe neither will Primo and Epico, but they've got some, you know, there's more than just two or three teams on those rosters, too. So it feels like it is okay to give some of these guys a little bit of a break. It keeps things fresh, because... The, the main male storyline on Raw was Seth and Finn and Miz and Ambrose. We didn't have to worry about Roman. We didn't have to worry about Brock. We didn't have to worry about 
Braun Strowman. And I thought that was nice. Now, granted, we've seen a lot of those guys before. But that main event, what did, did you watch the triple threat? Miz versus Balor versus Rollins? No. I recommend it. It was a great match. It ended in a way that told three stories in a single match, which is always good. I don't care about two-thirds of that match. But again, the match itself, the great story was told in the watching of the match. It was entertaining. Okay. You can't always watch Mystery Science Theater 3000. No, but I can always go to bed at 10 o'clock and then not watch the DVR the next day. That I can always do. I suppose. I suppose. They're really building this backlash thing around Shinsuke. Does that seem like a misstep to you? Yes. Mm. I well, I don't know if it's a misstep. They are putting a lot of faith in a guy whom might not pan out because there you... is no proof that mainstream WWE fans like Strong Style. I want I want to ask you this for based off of the reactions that Shinsuke has garnered from crowds since joining the main roster. Yeah. Do you think that he, so far, is he working out the way that they seem to hope? Well, so far, he's an entrance. I have not heard any sort of of real crowd reaction like he got in NXT. I'm hearing a whole lot of what when he talks mm-hmm. and a whole lot of silence other than that. This is the problem that you run into with Full Sail, with having a show based in the same spot week after week after week after week after week is you develop that market of fans who go to those shows habitually and who feel this ownership over those talents, that is not an appropriate microcosm of the average WWE fan. So Shinsuke is over like wildfire at Full Sail. You cannot make the presumption that that will translate. See Adam Rose, see the Ascension, see the Vaudevillains, see any other number of people. It's not always going to work that way. Yeah. I mean, I will say it sound, it seems like they are building Shinsuke up. They're giving him a real push. They're giving him a chance. I do think he can be incredibly charismatic. So I think he he ought to be able to get over. He ought to be able to do it. I, I just I just don't know if the audience is ready for him or not. I hope so. They are We're picking find the out. right they are picking the right person. You put him in there with Dolph Ziggler, who can make anyone look good. But the risk, I'm my legitimate worry is that strong style is not going to be popular with the average WWE fan. Yep. They're not going to need to watch kicks and elbows and knees. They're going to want something more and they're going to get tired of it quickly. And there's only so many top guys, meaning top in ring guys like Dolph Ziggler, to put him in there with. Right. Well, we'll see. Um, let's see. What did we miss here? 
Natalia's turning into a cat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just thought I'd mention it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Checks out. Yeah. And uh, the only other thing we've missed, I, I miss saying about it at the beginning of the show, the fashion files. Dun, dun. <laughs> that was good stuff. Oh, my God. Thank you, South Park Regional Wrestling. And Jimmy and Walking. Jimmy Walking. That, that was good. It was the right amount of dumb. It was I I However, think we're gonna get we're gonna get to this in the emails. They're winning the tag team titles. They are uh, winning the tag team titles. At Backlash. Don't you think you could don't I mean don't you think that that promo was goofy enough that there's no way they're gonna win the titles at back? Nope. I think they're guaranteed to and maybe not at backlash, but at some point in the next two to three months, I think they've got to because the Usos are currently doing nothing. But don't you think that they're sort of a goofy feel good act that allows the Usos who have been off television and doing nothing for some time now um, since before WrestleMania, really um, don't you think this is a good opportunity for the Usos to come back and really reestablish themselves by taking out this underdog fan favorite? Sure. But I have... Breezango's one word, right? Yeah. I have three words that I think lock it in that they're going to win. Breezango, New Day. We need a couple of months... Of watching Brizongo feud with New Day. I need to never I know see you the don't New like, Day I, I do anything that. ever again. I think Brizongo will change your mind because just think of the outfits that those three wear. Don't you think that Brizongo seems more like a team that would be aligned with the New Day than feuding with them? Maybe at some point. Are, are Brizongo Brizongo baby faces or are they heels? If they're going up against the Usos, baby faces. I guess. So maybe, maybe they team up. But again, you it makes you wonder, you know, I don't know. It is entirely possible that I am putting my hopes and desires into this like I do with everything mm. and hoping that they win. But I, I do. I think they've got a serious shot because the Usos, while a very serviceable tag team and I like this new look and new attitude, are can be very stale. Brizongo will give you eight to ten weeks of freshness if you let them go. And I think if you give them the chance, you know, this is not a one-time deal. These two are hilarious and will run with the ball if you give it to them. All right. As opposed to Aiden English, I don't know what the whole crybaby thing's about. I assume he's being punished. How dare you team with Simon Gotch like we asked you to. Uh, we've got emails, ddtwrestling at gmail.com, and we've got six of them from all over the world. If by all over the world you mean from the United States to England and Great Britain. Um, would you like to do the honors or shall I? Oh, it's the Fishman. Hello. Our good friend, the Fishman. From the depths of the abyss. 
Glad to see my DDT amigos still kicking. We'll make it brief. Here's my question. Been noticing when I watch 205 Live lately, especially last Tuesday, that it's been feeling flat. Seeing some fans leaving early and not much interest from what I see when I watch. Is it just me noticing this or am I on to something? And what can be done to turn things around? All the best from Texas. Thanks again for being badass dudes. Fishy Fish. Do you remember, uh, I think it was a Nintendo game. I don't know if you played Nintendo. No, you didn't. We've talked about this before. There was a video game called Bad Dudes. You don't remember Bad Dudes? No. Never mind. I remember Battletoads. Okay, yeah, okay. That's not Bad Dudes, but yeah. Um, Wait a minute. Wasn't there a Bad Dudes Battletoads crossover? Uh, let me actually. Oh, no, that was Double co- Dragon. That was Double Dragon Battletoads. I, I was going to talk about asking you when the last time you felt like a badass dude was, because for me, it's been never. Huh? Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. Actually, that's not true. When I changed my car blinker light, I felt pretty. Felt like, felt like a real man's man. Feel like <laughs> going out and chopping some wood. Um, you are not uh, alone, there, fish man. Uh, we've had this conversation. It's been all over online. The fact that they taped 205 Live after SmackDown is bad, 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 bad dudes. They are bad dudes for doing it. They are giving the cruiserweights no chance of getting an audience because after two or three hours of wrestling, you're tired. And when you bring out, hey, stick around to watch these wrestlers most of you have never heard of, they have no chance of success. They have also, to do Alicia Fox. Although um, she was back. She was yeah, back she was. on 205 Live. Yeah, no one um, are the first two-time uh, Alicia Fox champion. Uh, I here's what can be done to turn things around. I got the answer to that. Sure. Uh, you take 205 Live off the road and you put it in full sale. Yeah. That would totally work. That would totally work. I also think putting it before SmackDown is not the worst idea in the world because then you can also do talking smack right afterwards. You don't have an hour to wait. Yeah. Put the cruiserweights on first. You can show it whenever you want, but the crowd's going to be excited for flippy dippy stuff. If you remember WCW Monday Nitro, which I know you don't, but they always started with the cruiserweights and most of those were guys nobody ever heard of and the crowd ate it up. Right. It's all about placement, I think. Yes. Um, So yeah, Fishman, good to hear from you. Don't be a stranger. He, he, we bring him back. All we, right. He, he tries to escape, but we reel him back in. I just want to say, as you were setting up for that, I, I just, there was this moment where your face lit up and I knew what was coming. You were so proud of yourself. And it was just, I could see it in the smile and the glint of your eye. Uh, I just, I feel that just needed to be acknowledged. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm not a badass dude. But I am a corny-ass dude. So last week, or the week before last, I guess it was two weeks ago now, that we had uh, at Manson Manor here, we had this big block of concrete sticking out the side of the driveway um, with these three steel bolts coming out of it. Oh, yes, you told or me four, about Four, rather, the uh, basketball hoop. Yeah, so I guess the last time I felt like a real badass dude was when I went out there with a sledgehammer and some coal chisels, and I destroyed that thing. Fair enough. Broke it down about two feet, 
took a grinder, cut off the rebar that was reinforcing it, covered it up with dirt, put some sod down, and you'd never know it was there. Every time I hear the word rebar, I miss you playing Seven Days to Die. Me too. I'm waiting for Alpha 16. Maybe this month. All right. Um, the next, Are we taking turns on these? No. <laughs> okay. Hello, Doc Lesnar and Nerd DC. Nerd DC is here? Amazing. I'm here to reclaim my throne as the DDT bestie. I've got just three questions this time, but hope you enjoy. Then why does it go to four? <laughs> Come on, Nate. If you're going to be a DDT bestie. You got to be able to count. Which title do you think has been the best booked since WrestleMania? Um, I think probably the Universal title. Uh, explain. Well, it's had the most uh, story progression. It's made the most sense. I mean, certainly it makes more sense than what's been going on with the WWE Championship not being, you know, contested at the House of Horrors and all that. Um, yeah, so I think it's a real contender. Okay. Hey. Uh, I would say it's probably a toss-up between the United States Championship, uh, which is probably the winner, and the Cruiserweight title. Mm. I'm rather fond of the Raw Women's Championship, too. Um, But, yeah, I probably would give it to the U.S. Championship. No questions Mm -hmm. asked. I, I understand what you were saying about the whole Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho thing. But it's worked out well. Two. Number two. Will the cruiserweights ever be allowed to wrestle outside of their division? Well, Neville used to, so yeah, I guess so. I think Neville will. I wouldn't be surprised if after, uh, you know, this dominant run, Neville gets a legitimate shot back in the main roster again. But I think he might be the only one. Three. Who do you think should win a world title first, Sammy or Braun? There is only one right answer to this. Is it Braun? It is absolutely. Sami Zayn should win a world title um, at the earliest next WrestleMania. Yep. And possibly even later. Yeah. Number four. What is your excitement level for Guardians of the Galaxy? Volume Dose. I'm glad he brought this up, even though this is the question that doesn't exist because he said he only had three questions and this is the fourth. Yeah, we should Um, probably just move on. uh, Are we going to see it? I mean, you are. I am, but Mrs. Matthews has gone on record in saying she does not want to see it. What? So would you like... uh, What I'm asking is Doc Manson. Will I be your date? Yes. Will you accompany me? To Guardians of the Galaxy. All right, but you got to buy me popcorn. I can do that. Yeah! Do you put the butter halfway through? Have you used it with the butter your own popcorn? Okay, here's what you do. You don't have to do, because, I mean, you don't want to put it halfway down, because how are you going to do that? They're going to give you a whole thing full of popcorn. So what you do is you take a straw, and you stick it down into the popcorn, and you put it on the nozzle of the butter dispenser. Wow, that yeah. is you a scientist. It. You you lower the bucket that... just a little bit. You pump some more. You lower it again. You pump some more. Wow. Then you can get it layered in there almost at every single layer of the bucket. That's a little now, tip for you kids at home. That's some advanced popcorn stuff right there, folks. 
That is advanced. I know of someone, I will not say who it is, it is not me, but I know of someone who used to ask the people at the movies to literally fill it halfway, mm. put butter on top, then fill it the rest of the way and put more butter on top. But you win. You have engineered yeah, I mean, as an educator who takes part butter in... butter is right there next to the straws. I mean, you know. They're asking for it. They're, all right. But yes, I, I would like to go see this movie with you, if at all possible. Cool. Um, yeah. When's it coming Thank out? Thank you. Uh, tomorrow. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, maybe we'll make some plans. When uh, you're done, when you're done gardening and edging or doing whatever else oh you were God. doing, I have there. so much edging left to do. It's ridiculous. These people did not take care of this lawn. So, for those of us who don't own a home and who, when they did live in a home, there, uh, I don't believe Mama and Papa Matthews ever edged. What is edging? It's when you trim back the edge of the grass from various things, creating an edge. So like up against the walkway, if you let it just grow, grass is eventually going to grow over the edge of the concrete or the brick, or the paver, whatever it is you have defining your walkways. It's going to grow over the edge. It can make an uneven seam. It's going to look like unneat, unkempt garbage. So you go along the edge with a straight shovel edge and you just cut it. And it's not just there. You want to do that around flower beds. You want to do that around islands. You want to do that around trees. You want to do it around anything that you want to mow against. Because otherwise, if you don't do that, when you mow, you're not going to be able to get close enough to these objects. And then you're going to have to go back out there with either hand clippers or a weed whacker to actually do that. You don't want to do that. So you just take care of the yard. You trim up the edges everywhere. You move that stuff far enough out that you can use your lawnmower to actually trim everything with a single pass and you cut every your your time investment on a weekly basis or every three days really um you know to a minimum if you missed the episode in which doc manson revealed that his father had a little bit of an obsession with lawn care you see where he gets it because i don't know anyone that speaks that passionately about lawn maintenance one of the only other people I know, well, that's not true, but uh, a mutual friend of ours, tall guy who owns a house, like <laughs> his lawn is his... not a lawn. He it it's disgraceful what he does with that yard. It's yeah, they mow like once a month, maybe if that, and he wonders why his crappy little rear engine snapper lawnmower dies he's trying to mow two feet of grass like you're never supposed to mow more than like four inches of grass like that's it's it's not made for that it's it's not a commercial tractor it, it it's a little resident like it, I, he boggles my mind he's a very smart guy but he has like he's never had any common sense i'll leave it there yeah Unless you'd like me to sing some Evanescence for you or something. Of that. This next one comes in from Danielle Sully, 19. Guys, so I went back and read through what emails I've sent to you guys over the past year. They are becoming less and less about wrestling and more about food. Brilliant. So no food question this week. Another science question. If one color did not exist anymore, and no one could see it. 
and you were okay with that color disappearing, which color would that be? But then, what would we see instead of that missing color? Discuss the oddity of that question, also with it being Teacher Appreciation Week, DC, and Doc 2, I suppose. What is the one school supply you run out of all the time? For most of my family, it's paper clips. Um, what do you want to answer first? Well, since I don't understand the science question, I'd like to answer the supply question. It's either masking tape or index cards. Mm. Uh, in Those my disappear like wildfire. In my educational environment, the thing I seem to run out of all the time is fetal pigs. Yeah, that's yeah. probably fair. Um, as terms of the color question, no, 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 no. We cannot. No, we cannot move on. We cannot move on. Um, how many do you go through in a given semester? Um, somewhere in the neighborhood of four hundred. Four hundred fetal pigs in a semester. Yeah. To be dissected, I assume. Indeed. And this is for a biology course? Yeah. We go through a similar number of sheep eyes. See, I've done that one before. Mm. That one I did in high school. I don't remember ever doing a fetal pig. Yeah. How do you how do you store a fetal pig? I assume you have to keep it cold. Yeah. When it's not in use, you um, cover it in a humectant, which is basically a wetting solution that prevents tissues from drying out. Um, and you put that into a bin, which then goes into a cold room. So a big, giant walk-in refrigerator. Have you ever kept your lunch in that room, along with the fetal pigs? Uh, no, that is not... Uh, no, so in, in, in laboratories, uh, you have spaces, refrigerated spaces, or refrigerators even, that are dedicated to sciencey stuff and you have ones that are dedicated to things for consumption and they do not can i you you comp you made you paid me what i would take as a compliment at my eyes lit up at the reel it in question you got this legitimate smile on your face like oh i'm talking to such a stupid man (laughs) he's asking me (laughs) (laughs) he's asking me such a simple and completely inane question, but I will humor him and answer it as best I can. I thank you for that. Thank you, sir. Not, not a problem. Um, okay, let's go to the science question here. If one color did not exist anymore and no one could see it, and you, why would I want any colors to disappear? Is there a color that you dislike? No. I enjoy all colors from uh, a drab olive green to... The brightest of fuchsias. I appreciate all colors for what they are. I am very interested in this super black that I have seen and read about. This black that is the blackest thing that has ever blacked. It is even blacker than Lewis black. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, Black, not a color. Why? Black is what? The absence of color? It's the absence of light. So... It, it 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 maximally absorbs and it doesn't ref- reflect anything back so there's nothing for you to detect so 
like super black is a material that does not reflect back any light, basically. And without light, there is no color, because that's a wavelength of light is what we refer to as color. Yes. Specific wavelengths, ranges of light, I suppose. Yes. So, but it is still the blackest thing that has ever blacked. Yes, but it's still not a color. That's because fine. there's no light. I'm not it. talking about color anymore. I'm talking about this super black thing. Okay. That they're like, we can create outfits out of this and no one would ever see you and you could be a ninja and we could. Mm. Mm-hmm. But anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. No, I, I, rege- I thank you, Danielle, for your email and I reject the premise of your question. Uh, Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily want any colors to disappear, but um, if they did, what would we see instead of that missing color? I mean, we would just see, we would still see, it would just be indistinguishable from something else. Like someone who's red-green colorblind, like they're just not registering that color, but they still see the object. You know what I mean? They can't distinguish. It's not even that they don't see a color. They see a color. They just can't distinguish between them. And I imagine that's really what we're talking about is we would be talking about, you know, photoreceptors in the eye that are no longer able to distinguish between certain wavelengths of light. So we would just see something meld into something else. It would just, we would lose the ability to distinguish between colors. And in all fairness, I think there've been some studies on this. And I think men on average see like, I don't know, like 70% less shades than do women. It's not that we can't see them. It's not really a limit of our photoreceptors. It's just, we're not as programmed apparently to notice those subtle differences in shade. It's not. So on the off chance that I get in trouble for saying, that, you know, shirt A and shirt B are both blue. I get in trouble and I get to- all the time. And I get told, well, they're not really the same color. And I go, well, to me, they are. There's a scientific reason I can back that up with and say yeah. you might be able to perceive these as two different colors, but I cannot. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I said, it might not be a biological thing. It could just be, you know, in terms of what you are perceiving in like, you know, I'm talking about the a nervous system slash sensory perception thing. You're just not picking up on it. Maybe if you really focused on it for a second, you might be able to sit there and say, well, okay, yeah, I guess those are different. Uh, I mean, I'm not really sure exactly to what extent those studies went to on that stuff, but <clears throat> to be fair. And I, I just want to make sure I say this for the public record. Mrs. Matthews rarely, asks me to distinguish colors. Uh, when I do get in trouble is, is she'll say, do you like this on me? And I say yes before looking at it. Like she'll be around the corner and she'll go, you haven't even seen it. And I have to be like, but I love you. So of course I'm going to love it. You are a terrible, terrible person. I resemble You have to at mark. least humor them. Oh, this was a perfect segue. I resemble that remark, a line from Gorilla Monsoon, which brings us to Simon's email. Do you want to read this one? I tend to read the long emails. You want me to handle this one? Go for it. Greetings, Doc in D.C. from sunny Manchester. Hey, you're not that far away. We should hang out. Yes. Um, I don't think that's what he meant. Ah. 
The sun is out, and even though it's not warm here, we have to take every opportunity to get summery because it could be a snow blizzard here tomorrow. As I sit here pondering what I am going to write about this week on Rant with Ant, my mind wanders to all the wrestling nonsense commentators told me in those early 90s classic events I rewatch from time to time. Roddy Piper <laughs> used to be... <laughs> Come on, where's patio furniture? Let's go. He's not Irish. <laughs> Roddy Piper used to tell me the effect of that move. It shifted the ring six to eight inches. Gorilla Monsoon used to tell me that he just got hit in the external occipital protuberance. He used to have a thing for using the long-winded names for all the body pots, didn't he? Leaving aside his partnership with Bobby Heenan, I could write forever on that. <laughs> I like the part where you noticed that that accent had completely changed. There's just this brief, this brief moment of realization. I don't sound uh, Irish anymore. Yeah. Leaving aside his partnership with Bobby Heenan, I wondered if you could recall any of the crazy things you ever heard and took as gospel, or something you told yourself as a kid to keep the magic of wrestling alive. Don't get me wrong, wrestling is still magic, but there's a point where you know too much, and you can't go back to that point ever again and no, I don't look stupid. The point where you tell yourself he stomps when he hits to get more power in the punch. When the wrestler is coming off the ropes for a clothesline, he doesn't just stop because he can't. Forward momentum is making that impossible. Of course reversing a figure four hurts the instigator. When I grew older and I accepted wrestling might be fake, I let myself down gently by telling myself some of the rivalries and some of the moves were genuine. Yeah, it's fake, except for the tombstone pile driver. The choke? Basically, now that I think about it, anything by The Undertaker. What rules did you make up to explain things when you watched wrestling? Unless you didn't, in which case neither did I, and I made it all up and, um, I'm asking for a friend. Yours in fake sports, and shout out to my fellow wrestling Brit Pack, and please forgive me for these accents. Simon, at Fake Sport Monkey. All right, what lies did you tell yourself, DC? Um, I don't remember the moment when I had the realization. I have a whole other cup of water. Life is so good. When I realized that wrestling might be fake, but I remember telling myself, I remember telling myself that Bret Hart and Owen Hart really hated each other. Like it, that, I, I bought into that hook, line, and sinker. They really hated each other. And, you know, that family would never be the same again. What year was the Boiler Room Brawl? Uh, 95 or 96, I want to say. Hmm. So that would make me 12 or so when I stopped watching wrestling. Do you was think... that the match that did it? No, no, it wasn't the match that did it, but I just remember being right around that time. Um, do you think it's acceptable for me to say that at 12 years old... Maybe I never really came to the realization that it was fake. And then by the time I came back years later, of course, I knew it was fake. So it's possible. I didn't it's really um, ever have those lies to tell myself because 
I mean, I, maybe part of the reason why I stopped watching around that time was I no longer really believed it. I don't know. But maybe that had more to do with Papa Shango and things like that than it did with any of the moves. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, I, like I said, there was not a single moment for me. Um, you know, I think by the time I realized I was, because I was always the one who was trying out moves. So I had figured out that these moves hurt. You know, right. when I put people in the Texas Cloverleaf, they felt it regardless of whether or not it was real or not. And then I think that I figured out that it was choreographed, but I was like, both you and I have been actors for a fairly young age. So I think I was kind of like, okay, this is them acting. They're putting on a play. I'm putting on a play. But while I'm playing Murray Nussbaum in Trixie, the teen detective in the mystery of Gravestead Manor, they're putting on WrestleMania nine. Hmm. So it's fair. What, a, what was the first what a play? You, way of looking at that. What was what was the first play you ever did? I ever did. What was the first show you were in? I don't like in the third grade. I think we did something about the weather, but I don't remember what the name of it was. I think I was the moon. I don't know what that has to do with the weather, but like it was mostly about the weather, and I was the. Moon. I mean, not like a class play. I'm talking like. Theater, theater. Like, I did, you know, this random, like, extension program Shakespearean thing, but I didn't have any lines. I just pretended to sword fight with, like, a tinfoil sword. It was middle school when I think that yeah. was it. Murray, Murray think, Nussbaum playing the detective. I think it was probably seventh grade. Um, I auditioned for... It was it was a school play, at, you know, but... Uh, the Phantom of the Soap Opera? Okay. I'm intrigued. Yeah, it was a good show. It was fun. Um, you know, it was a cast of uh, people on like a daytime soap who was, who we you know were, there was this lead actress who was being, you know, sort of stalked slash haunted by the mysterious phantom of the soap opera. And, you know, it goes through the paces of that story, but except in a more satirical sort of were you the phantom? slapstick sort of way. Yeah, first show I ever auditioned for. And yes, I was the phantom. Um, you are a natural talent there, sir. Yeah, it was a good... Good time. And I'll tell you why. Because I got up for that audition and they had us reading lines and like, you know, cold reads, basically. And just, you know, the, the stage direction was the phantom laughs, you know, maniacally or whatever. And everybody would get up there and just kind of do a chuckly thing. But I just went for it. I just I remembered even in seventh grade, just this big, booming, huge, like people who weren't even like paying attention to what was going on the stage. There were kids everywhere, like sitting over there. And over there. I just remember everybody looking at me when I was and it was totally that laugh that landed me that part, because that it was like that was like my notes, like do that laugh from the audition. Like that is it. That is the laugh of the phantom in this show. You know what I mean? Like What I love about that, and again, we're spending a lot of time today talking about the things that no one can see. In your enthusiasm, you're doing something to the desk, which is shaking it. So it was like you were having an earthquake that 10 miles or so we are apart from each other. And so you're like, and I was man laughing maniacally and the camera's going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Good times. Good times here on DDT Wrestling. Eighth grade, it was Lumberjacks and Wedding Bells. Eighth grade, we did some... 
lumberjacks and wedding bells will make a great love story about civilization, destination, Washington Territory. Ladies from the East, meet gentlemen from the West. I forget the rest, but pretty good for the eighth grade. Remembering it from we then. did. I was Mayor Crook called. in that show. I was again the was, dastardly villain. I was typecast, I tell you. Typecast. I was typecast all through high school. I was the father figure Friar Lawrence in Romeo and Juliet. I was one of the scientists in Flowers for Algernon. Oh, that's a good show. Yeah. I was a bit part in Oklahoma my freshman year. See, we never did. There, there was a group that did musicals, and we did straight theater. I never did a musical. No? Okay, I, I did that. Besides, like, summer stock when I was in middle school. Like, we would do, like, a play in the fall, and we would do a musical in the spring. That's how we worked. That nope. first fall, it was, like, a variety show of different Christmas-themed things. I was, like, a grandfather in that show doing, like, the night before Christmas, like, a rendition of that. And then it was Oklahoma, where I was a bit part. Um, Come on. Sophomore Get to year, it. I Get think. Get to it. I think it was Noises Off, I think. Yep. That sounds that was, familiar. That was the fall. That was really good. Actually, Noises Off is being done locally over the summer. I don't know if you have any interest in going, but I think we're going to probably go. It's a good show. We're going to see Newsies. Oh, yeah. I think we're going to go see that, too. I think we're going to go see all three of them, actually, but. Hey, I I don't think I would need to convince Mrs. Matthews that much because I, I don't think we know anything about Noises Off, but it's a good show. We would certainly go. Um, and that spring was The Sound of Music, where I was Uncle Max. Okay. Um, he's where got, is it? Give it to me. Nope. Give it to. I don't care about that. Give me. Give me it. What was junior year? I can't remember what the play was junior year. I just want to hear the song. I just want to hear the song. Agony. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, no, I mean, Into the Woods. When was Into the Woods? When was Into the Woods? Senior year? I think that was senior year. What was the musical my junior year? Oh, Pirates of Penzance, where I was the major general. Didn't you do Arsenic and Old Lace, too? No, we never did Arsenic and Old Lace. I've always wanted to. You did way more. You know, again, we never the, did musicals. The butler did it, I think, was what we did my senior year in the fall. It was mm-hmm. like uh it's like a clue type thing, but instead of being, you know, it was like everybody who came to, it was like ten little Indians, the Agatha Christie book, but everybody who came to the island was a caricature from, you know, mystery literature. Like yeah, tall guy played it. Sherlock Holmes. I was like the Sam Spade. <laughs> I was like the Sam Spade type character. Um, oh man! There was like a Hardy boy standing. Like it's a good show. That's a good show too. Jeff Goldblum could not play Sherlock Holmes. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. It was, it was a good show. Um, I and think then we, we did, did a, yes, Into the Woods. We did a variety show freshman year. Flowers I am the funny model of a modern major general. I've information vegetable animal and mineral. I know the kings of England and I quote the fights historical from marathon to Waterloo and order categorical. I am very well acquainted to it. Math is mathematical. I understand equations both the simple and quadratical. About binomial theory, I'm teeming with a lot of news. <laughs> Lot of news. Got it! Where's the many trivial facts about the square of the hypotenuse? Junior year. Why do I remember that? I don't know, but I do. It's the reason that you teach in song. 
Maybe you don't. Yeah. Maybe there's a song about dissecting the fetal pig that I'm unaware of. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Little known fact, um, Tall Guy also played one of the princes in Into the Woods. So that agony song that you are um, indicating would have been one of his songs in that show. I thought you both did it. No, I, I was the baker, so oh, I did not do that song. Um, okay, but yeah, I just remember I remember him giving me an example, and it was just awful. I don't know if you know. I this, love him, but the tall but guy awful. cannot sing. No, not at all. And that was something that the director of this show realized also. <laughs> and the other prince in the show. Also, also couldn't, couldn't sing. sing. Uh, oh, they ra- oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. So they turned it into a rap. They turned it into a rap, and it was uh, terrible. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Yes, no. Uh, variety show, I did something from... Oh, man, it takes I'm, I'm two my to begin, but then once you've begun, it takes two of you. Why no can fun. I not... But what needs to be done, you can do when there's two of you. If I dare, it's because I'm becoming aware of us as a pair of us, each accepting a share of what's there. Sorry. I'm just trying to tell you about my theater experience. <laughs> Well, then I got to college. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Variety show. Our town. That's it. I did part of the Our town thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. My pants My pants ripped before I got on stage. <laughs> so I spent the whole time. <laughs> I spent the whole time with one hand covering my crotchal region for fear of exposing myself. Oh, that reminds me. Uh, in uh, The Butler Did It. Sorry to get off to you again. But in The Butler Did It. I was that Sam Spade type character, but as you know, to this day, I cannot grow facial hair. So, obviously, in high school, there was 0% chance of that as well. Uh, So, we we put makeup on to give me stubble, and there's this one part of the show where I share a smooch with um, a maid character of some kind. And anyways, I just remember this because we were on stage. Obviously, we go in, we do the kiss, we come back out of it. And the audience just is erupting in laughter. I open my eyes and I see, yes, the the, the, the stubble has, of course, come off onto her face. And it's just this, and it was just this great moment. I, they used to always try to throw me off. They realized early on that I was pretty good improving things, you know. So the director would always tell people to come on stage and mess with me and this was just a natural thing that happened of course but i just remember because the audience was going i just i kind of just stopped for half a minute and i just if as the audience is coming back down i just go yeah you, you got a little something <laughs> and they just start going again you know it was it was a really good moment just sort of feeling the room you know um anyways as as you were saying i'm sorry man you brought up good memories like it this is good stuff i i i understand it was just one of those like i could see us like at like cats delicatessen in New York City and through the puff of cigars book. I remember when I did the butler did it yeah. way back in 1974. And let me tell you something. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Flowers for Algernon, which was fine. Romeo and Juliet. I was Friar Lawrence. I couldn't remember any of my monologues. So I just made them all up. Um, and then senior year, the director who told me later, she was like, I made a conscious choice to go away from the romances, which was had featured the same two 
actor and actress in like both Romeo and Juliet and Flowers for Algernon. She was like, I went something, you know, we went in different directions. So we did, you can't take it with you of which the main character is the grandfather. Mm. So I got to play the lead ish. It's an ensemble piece, really. It's really an ensemble piece. But uh, nah, I'll give that was fun. Credit. That was fun because I got to put powder in my hair and be an old man. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I do remember some moments where it was just like something happened that you wouldn't expect. And I'm like, all right, either we're going to sit here awkwardly or I'm going to need to say something to get us back on track. Yeah. Uh, but yes, theater was a good time. If you didn't get the chance to do theater when you were in school, you missed out because it was... It was an entertaining experience. I keep telling myself that one of these days, once my job has sort of settled into a routine and once things in the house have sort of come down, I keep telling myself I'm going to try to get involved in a community theater or something and try to audition for some shows. We do it every Thursday. We do it every Thursday on DDT Wrestling. That's what my wife told me. She was like, I realized that this is your creative outlet. Yeah. This is, this is your, you know, whether it was the improv group or plays or whatever, this is what you do. That and teaching, you know. I'm on stage seven hours a day. But you should. There's a local theater group that is very good. I know people who know people. So if you were ever interested. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Maybe I will someday. I don't know. All right. I don't want to do musicals anymore. The, my, one, my one secret thing is I never learned how to sing. Like, I'm okay, but, like, I, I can't read music. Ah. And so, like, I can well, learn things. What do you mean? You're a trumpeter. How could you not well, read music? Correct. But I, I, I can't, I can't read, I can't hear, I can't read music and hear tone in terms oh, of, okay. in terms of, yes. like, my singing voice, you know? Yes. A that, trumpet that, was no okay. problem. But at, when I'm actively no, singing, right. I can't. Mo- that makes sense. I can learn by mimicry, but that's about it. Um, so my well, one regret is you. I never learned how to sing, like, properly. Let me tell you. Nerd DC is world famous. And he can't sing either. Yeah. So that's the one thing. Just because you can't sing. I always enjoyed musicals and things, but like I could never do it now because I'm not a good enough singer to be able to to learn the parts that. So I would have to limit myself to to plays and things like that. Uh, So I I enjoy, again, I never did musicals, but I enjoy a good play. Oh, I do too. So I do too. All right. We've got two more emails before we head out into that good night. The next one comes to us. Let's, we're back into wrestling. Speaking of silly and, skits and things. Again, they're all just meshing together. Let's go to Glenn. Hi, guys. With Breezango providing some classic Wrestle Silly this week, what are your all-time favorite Wrestle Silly gimmicks or skits? Made the 1K followers on Twitter this week. Couldn't have done it without you both and the neighborhood. Thanks, your bestie, Glenn. Glenn, stop gloating. I'm still stuck <laughs> at like 1,500. It's probably because I never tweet and I never respond to anybody. And I don't involve myself in any conversations, but either way... You should. Can't laugh at me. Now you got me thinking we should start doing, like, podcast plays. (laughs) Radio shows? Do you you pronounce it Godot or Gatto? I've never pronounced it, so I couldn't tell you. You ever read Beckett, Waiting for Godot? Nope. Oh, man. I think we could have fun with that. All right, I'm gonna noodle around with that. Uh, favorite wrestle silly gimmicks or skits? Oh, you're in our wheelhouse, Glenn. Our wheelhouse. Uh, the first thing that pops to mind for me is William Regal teaching Eugene how to wrestle. I love that skit. That's a good so one. So much. Um, 
Steve Austin and Booker T in the grocery store. That's a good also one. Also good. Mick Foley and Vince McMahon in the hospital. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dean Ambrose and the hot dog cart. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it quite also is good. up there with those, but, you know, it's a recent enjoyable one. Uh, anything with corporate Kane was pretty good there for a while. I enjoy some classic Santino. Not like when he won Miss WrestleMania, but just him being goofy and mispronouncing things. His stuff when Jericho came back mm. and he couldn't say Santino, and that was fun. Mm. Hey, lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. In terms of Russell's silly gimmicks. Corporate you know, Kane talked was ab- pretty silly. We talked about the whole notion that one of the silliest gimmick ideas in the world is a mortician. And look what that look where that went. Fair enough. So, all right. Last one here. Brandon. Brandon, Brandon. In your opinion, how high are Branzango's chances of taking the SD tag team titles at Backlash? Branzango, man. Branzango. Uh, 100%. I'm going to give him 50%. All right. For now. Also, since Doc Manson is now Doc Lesnar, at Doc Manson, who is his advocate? See, the beautiful thing about Doc Lesnar is he's his own advocate. (laughs) He's going to be the one to tell you that he deserves more praise. I don't know, man. I only ever said that once, but you have said it about a thousand times. So I think there's a case to be made that you are my advocate. Hey, if DC Heyman would roll off the tongue a little more, I would (laughs) totally go for it. I don't know, but Paul Matthews sounds all right. Paul Matthews? Yeah. All right. We just need to get you one of those Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Paul Matthews, and I am the advocate for the reigning and defending pod beast incarnate in the wrestling world, Doc Lesnar. (laughs) All right, you you can stop advocating now. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Brandon. We will keep up the good work. And you are indeed our pal. Doc Manson, Lesnar Manson, uh, what is your piece of positivity before we head off into that good night? Uh, the Fashion Files. It, it's really hard to beat. Yeah. It is really hard to beat. I will go because I try not to copy you. Um, payback was way better than most people thought it would be. Incorrect. Uh, If you took the House of Horrors match out of it completely, you would have enjoyed that show. The House of Horrors match was probably still one of the highlights of that show, because at least they tried to do something different. If we could design, if we designed a logo for each episode, this episode would be Bray Wyatt sitting cross-legged on the floor, wrapping twine around (laughs) baby dolls. Yes, it would. Uh, No, I liked Payback. I thought it was great. So, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the direction that wrestling is going, which seems to always be the case for me, the Pope of Positivity. Uh, we'd like to thank you, ladies and jelly spoons, for joining us today on this wonderful episode. I thought 81, 82, we're creeping up on 100. We're creeping. One, I think. I uh, well, nine times nine. Nine squared episodes of DDT Wrestling. You can find us 
ddtwrestling at gmail.com. Doc Manson has an Instagram. He likes taking pictures and playing with the filters and then reposting them. Uh, hey, I man, I will have you know that a lot of work goes into them beyond filters. I am doing things uh, like mixing foregrounds and backgrounds. I am going in with a stylus and I am blurring out backgrounds to increase the depth effect when filters are applied. I am going through and actually doing some work with these photos as opposed to a simple just click on the filter. I You are doing great work. Dare I say the Lord's work Indeed. with these. All I'm doing is posting random tweets like who are the champions when it was your when you were born and all of a sudden I've got 100 replies and I think that might be the most popular tweet ever that I've done and that was a really silly thing so people I give you all the cri- what people don't talk to me they would if they are dying to speak to the pod beast incarnate you've just got to let them in doc lesnar you just got to let them in just six deep. That's all you need to go. That's right. Just six deep. That's good. Anything that's else? Good. That's good. That's all I've like- got to do. Because anything else you want to say, Doc Manson, before we head out into that good night? Agony, much more painful than yours. When you know she would go with you, if there only were doors. Agony. No, sorry. Uh, I'm all set. DDT Karaoke, coming soon. He is Doc Manson at Doc Manson. I am DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI. And until we meet again, my friends, we will see you around the neighborhood.